0: We love that we can take you at your word. We love, Lord, that you've made it so easy for us to live and to live well, to live in a blessed life. And we thank you for that life. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So um, we're going to talk about meditation and, and the fact that meditation is worth the effort. Amen? Amen. Meditation is worth the effort. Uh, many times we forget That the word of God has to be engrafted in us; it has to make sense to us, and it is a seed that is being planted in our lives. Uh, Seeds need time to grow. There may be times where you'll get instant a release in your life of things, but pretty much God has us on a plan uh, whereby we uh, grow in the fruit of God. We grow and so he tells us up front that his kingdom is not meat and drink it's not the material realm but it is righteousness peace and joy in the holy ghost so we can have the kingdom even though we may lack evidence of certain things in the natural or we may lack possession of certain material things uh, there is always somebody believing god for something amen something in our lives could always be better be more productive could be improved upon there's always a future that we have that we're praying for uh where we we know that certain things are are freely given to us by god but they we haven't received them yet and but in the meantime we do live in his kingdom and his kingdom is is more atmosphere than it is anything else it's the fruit of the spirit righteousness peace joy love patience gentleness amen faith goodness all of the good things from god's spirit are ours all the time so even though you may not have everything you desire in the natural and you'll probably always have something that you're waiting on or something you're believing god for if you're sitting around idle, God will just drop something on you to start believing it for. Uh, that I'm a witness, you know, you, you can think it's all this and then all of a sudden something will seem, uh, kind of like out of balance. There's a hunger, something's out of whack, something's not, there's an itch that you can't scratch. <laughs> and that's God allowing you To open up your spirit to more things, more things that he wants for you, more things he wants you involved in. So when Jesus said, isn't your life more than meat and drink and clothing, you know, um, and it is, the answer is yes. And if you don't know the answer is yes, you need to say, well God, which is it? Is it yes or is it no? Say, Maybe it is more than that. I'm just not aware of it yet. And so then we, then when you come into an awareness of the spiritual aspect of life, then you'll start to understand more about yourself now that you're saved. Why you feel a restlessness sometimes. Why you feel a uh, itch you can't scratch. Why you feel that something Uh, That you, you, um, something's missing, but it's not wrong. You got me? Something's not here yet, but it's not wrong. So you have to know that it's on the way. And what God is doing is putting you, he's making room in your spirit for more of him. You're anticipating more. You're expecting more. You're, he's enlarging the border of your tent. He's enlarging the border. He's just moving the stakes out so that you can anticipate more and you can expect more to come from him in your life. And so, in, and then you can expect change. And to me, that's the exciting thing. Um, you can't be bored in this life. You can't think it's time to quit because the minute you start thinking quit. You know, somebody will text you, phone you or something with a problem in their life that they don't have an answer to. So then you realize you're the answer. Amen. Now, you may not feel like you're the answer, but there's a lot more to you than you know. (laughs) Amen. A lot more. And so God will drop these things on us where we don't have an idea, we don't have a clue how this is going to happen. We don't even know if the answers possible, but He drops it on us just to show us who we really are. See? You got to be in touch with the real you at all times, and the Kingdom of God puts you in touch with the real you. See, there is such a capacity to us sometimes. There is such a uh, um, I guess I could say capacity, you know, to to our lives, that we have no idea how to tap into it, no idea how. And so when a stress comes, something that will just force you to your knees or force you into God's face or force you into something different, that's when we begins to be revealed to us who we really are through stress. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. You know, when women, I I used to work in uh, maternity nursing and stuff like that. From time to time, there were always, (laughs) thank you, Nurse Nikki. But there, you you know, young girls who hadn't had never had a baby before. Couldn't imagine how that great big baby (laughs) was going to come through the same way he went in. That's, you know, that's what we would tell them. We said, well, how's the baby going to come out, Honey, the same way he went in. Yeah, but it won't be no fun on this. <laughs> yeah, this takes all the fun out of it. Amen. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but that's the way we are. Amen. Made my point. That's the way we are in God. We have no idea how we're going to accomplish this great big thing that God has told us we're going to do for Him, but we'll get it done. Amen. Because we're going to be stretched, we're going to be paced, we're going to be told to hold on, we're going to be told to let go, we're going to be told to push, don't push, pull, whatever. But we will get the job done because there's a whole lot more to us than we ever thought there would be. Amen in god and so god is just putting us into into the the test of kingdom living kingdom life and understanding what the kingdom is that it it does hold great possibilities for us it holds great things for us it's worth it amen every every single thing that we do in god is worth the price that we have to pay uh you know spiritually speaking you understand what I'm saying? There are some spiritual things, that, spiritual battles that have to be fought and won so that we can receive everything that God has for us. And part of the price we pay is meditation, meditating on the word. <clears throat> it's amazing how important that is to our success in God. And, and the world is hijacked it you can pretty much tell where the payoff in God's kingdom is because the world will steal it and start to hijack it. Amen. Uh, because people think meditation is just for Buddhists and Hindus and, and Eastern people and stuff like that. But we don't have to sit there in a certain posture and repeat something. You don't have to go buy a yoga mat. You don't have to get no yoga clothes. You can just walk around in the mind of God, having a good old time. You know, people say, well, we're just meditating to touch base. No, he lives in me. We talking right now as we speak. Come interrupting my conversation. Amen. (laughs) Get thee behind me right now. Amen. And so uh, we never have to really fear these things. You're not missing anything, in other words. Because you are fully equipped to do everything God's called you to do. But meditation really is the key to all of your success in God. It's what you think about, what you lend your mind over to, and what you lend your heart to receive by faith. You know, What do you choose to believe about God, about the world, about anything else? What do you choose to believe? And so God wants to make sure that we spend our time properly, properly. Uh, you're never bored because you always have, have the company of God with you. You can always sit and, and uh, imagine and muse in God's word and, and begin to let that word become a part of you through adopting it through meditation. So what is what does it mean to meditate? It means really, there are a number of words <clears throat> that I found uh, for meditate. It means to muse. That means to imagine or to wistfully think about some things. It means to moan, mutter. It means to growl. It means to devise and plot. It means to ponder. Meditate also means to complain. Amen. Now the complaint in a legal sense. And that means to put something out there that's not satisfied. So when you meditate on something, you might say to yourself, well God, I'm, I'm really needing this, that, and the other. And, and the fact that you put that out there means that you expect an answer to come. And so, by not letting your mind let go of it, amen, it means that that you are, are open to an answer, that you expect an answer. You're not just wistfully putting things out there in a, a vain imagination, but now, because you have the Spirit of God living in you and you meditate on the Word, which is your answer, then you are building something. You're building an argument. You're building an answer. You're building faith. You're building all of the above. You're putting together a plan and putting together a plot. That's what it really means to meditate. It also means to compute or calculate. Add up all your pluses and your minuses. Amen. And take the red pen and scratch the minuses out because they don't count amen there are no minuses in god there's only pluses amen see that's what meditation does it it kind of agitates your thoughts and shakes them down and whatever it is that falls through that great sifter in your mind you discard and you keep what doesn't fall through so everything that's vain, everything that's not going to happen, everything that's not good for you, falls through the holes in the sifter. And what's left in that basket is what is pure and of God. Amen. It's like, um, like if you were sift flour, you know. I mean, I do this sometimes. That you know, I'm old school. I came from the uh, the school of never have enough and go never have enough and hoard everything. I'm a graduate. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just in me to save stuff. I don't waste anything. Even if I don't know how I'm going to use it, when I'm going to use it, I save it anyway. And then I had to go through withdrawal. And I ran out of space for stuff. I'll build another silo. What the over there is already full of junk. eh? Hey? But, but I'll do this sometimes. If I, I keep my, uh, the flour and stuff that I use to, to coat, to fry food. I don't defry much anymore, but I used to. And so if, if, you know how when you put something wet, a wet piece of meat in there to clump the coating together. Well, I put in a refrigerator until it dries out and I sift it and I use what's left. I don't throw all that flour away. Are you kidding me? It'll be dust in the bottom of the bag before I'm done with it hey that chicken tastes good too amen (laughs) amen now you can't do it too many times but you can do it two or three times until you get all them sticky crumbs out of there them clumps out of there about wasting everything but but that's the way it is with the the, when we meditate everything in your mind goes in that sifter, everything and you begin to shake it down shake it down shake it down shake it down And get all them impurities out of there. Amen. Get the little foxes that spoil the vine. Let them fall through them holes. And whatever is left of substance. That's what you keep. And that's what's yours. That's what comes out of your meditation. So when you meditate. You're computing. what's What's of God and what's not of God. You don't let your mind feast on everything that comes through there. You begin to sort through those thoughts amen we need to learn that that sifter is peace whatever you don't have peace about is going to fall through now you can't manufacture the peace of god now, i'm real sorry because it, you can push it out of the way and try to ignore it if you want to but eventually that peace is going to say yes or no to something that you're thinking, working on, or whatever, whatever, it's going to have to be discarded, or you're going to have a very, very dissatisfying life. You're going to have a life of turmoil. And so until we learn how to organize our life through meditating first, it won't get organized. It won't come to pass. It won't bear the fruit we want it to bear. You know, I sometimes before I get up in the morning, like I tell people, don't call me before noon because I'm involved. Huh? Amen. I'm in a committed relationship. Amen. With meditating with God. So by the time my feet hit the floor, I've already got my day lined up already. I have no shocks, no surprises, no disappointments, it's a successful day. And I know from beginning to end what I'm going to do. I know about how much time I'm going to spend on it. Amen. Now, if something comes up and God gets me involved in something else, I have plenty of peace to to get involved in those things. But I'm not going looking for nothing. You got me? I just want in my life what he wants for me. And you don't have to get my age to figure that out. You understand what I'm saying? My excitement days are very much over with. You got me? (laughs) Amen. I get excited about the things of God. But other than that, it's pretty much planned out. Amen. And so in meditation helps me to keep a predictable, faith-filled, contented future. So I don't really have any fear about what's going to happen. Uh, it, I can get upset about some things from time to time, but pretty much God will just jerk me and say, now wait a minute, sis. <laughs> Let's get a, get a handle on yourself here. I got this already, you know what I'm saying? Give this to me, this ain't yours, you see? And so, it, it, and things like that. And so meditation really helps us to sort things out. What things are your responsibility? What things are God's responsibility? Amen. And, and begin to live your life uh, through that method. So it also means, we said a computer to calculate, pluses and minuses, draw the line, and then you come out with what, what the balance is, amen? And it's all good. It means to attend carefully. To meditate means to make sure all the details that you want to see handled are handled. It also means to practice. In other words, you, God will have you rehearse in your mind what he has in store for you. Very often you'll get a glimpse of what, what it is that, that he wants you to have. Amen. And it'll come to pass exactly like he, he told it to you. You know, um, I was, when I was wanting to get my next car, I didn't want to go shop for it. I really didn't. I wasn't going. And God knows I wasn't going. Amen. So, I mean, I just didn't feel to go. Why throw myself to the wolves? Am I a beggar? Do I look like I'm broken and begging? Oh, I won't go there. I mean, you know, really, if I just, you know. But you know what I'm saying? I'm saying like, wait a minute. Now, God, you're big enough that you can get that car for me and drive it right on in here. See, it's a test of your faith. But see, if you can't meditate your way to peace about things like this, it won't happen for you. And tell you right now, because you know what most people do—they think about something, pops in your mind. But I don't want. But I don't want. But you can't think like that. You got to trust God. So if you can't put it out there in total confidence. And so I was vacillating. I said, well, God, well, I don't want to know if I want this and I don't have to have that. And I don't I said, but wait a minute, God, you know exactly what I want. You know exactly what you have for me. You know what I can afford. You know what, you know, all the details about this. So just bring it to me, God. And I saw a little picture in my mind of my truck. And I got the picture on my phone where the guy drove it off that, that truck. He delivered it and drove it right into my driveway. In my garage, and I saw the back end of that truck driving into my garage. And after that, it wasn't dispute, cause I was, I was saying, well, I don't have to have that color. I can have this color. I can have that. But he knew what I wanted. Amen. And then Tony reminded me, he said, we test drove that same year making model when we first moved here. Amen. And so when, when you, and I trust God, people say, I don't want nothing used. Well, I'm sorry. The day you sign the paper, it's used already. And God is not going to send it. See, I trust God. That's for somebody who don't trust God. Why would he send you something you don't want? No, that's that other brother you used to. let us i digress let us go on at let us <laughs> all right so practice so i practiced in my mind i guess what what it was he had but i just asked god i told him you know that was it and i was just doing nothing one day and that that picture flashed in my mind and that was it and i said okay god you know okay hey, i'm going for it so, of course, I was shocked to see it when the guy sent me the picture of it. Hey, Amen. Is that it? <laughs> God, is that it? Just like that, all I got to do is believe you? Yes. Get it in here. You know, or you get to it's a slap back and forth. Understand this now. I mean what I say. Praise God. Amen. It says uh, having um uh, preliminary to oratory, so you meditate before you speak. Now, crazy people say stuff they don't think. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Usually, in 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 your mind, you make a decision to speak those words, but you thought them. Amen. Can't deny. It means to imagine. It means to forecast or do beforehand. So in your meditation, you imagine yourself with that thing that you desire. Nurse Nikki, you saw yourself with a uniform on at some point, or you wouldn't be where you were, where you are. And I don't mean orange. Saw yourself with a white uniform, whatever the scrubs are. You know they wear different colors now. Back in my day, it was all white uniforms, amen. So to imagine, to practice, to do beforehand, practice mentally, devices or plans. To meditate also means to weigh in the balances. So if there are any minuses in your thinking, you're going to have to get those out of there before you can act on something. Got me? You have to get those out before you can, I mean, wholeheartedly act on something. Now, you might do something and go through the motions, but you'll soon learn that that's not God's way. Amen. Uh, Going through the motions just means that you're trying to get it without being fully persuaded about it. God wants us fully persuaded, especially his word, because that word has to live in you. You got to feed that word in order to get the benefit of it amen you weigh in the balances to determine what is right amen so you're you're pensive you know thinking thoughtful instead of being rash in the things that you do now we've all run off and done things because we thought it was god and then we realize that's not the way really god does stuff amen he's not impulsive he does not lead us to impulse, and he does not do things impulsively to us. Come here, Miss Donna. Praise God. So, so really, what God has for us is something far much better. Just walk with me, okay? What he has in store for us is something that's far better than what we have already, but he wants us to have a certainty about it. Trip back is going to be easier. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Okay, stand right there in front of that chair. Thank you, Lord. Now, oh, Lord, I just thank you. Take this stiffness, soreness, whatever it is, take it out. Which leg is it, honey? Kick it. Kick it out. Thank you, Lord. There you go. All right, now you can sit. God will finish it, okay? In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Finish the work you started in her, Father. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. So you're pensive instead of being rash in your your um, decisions. Amen. God wants us to be fully persuaded. I mean that that little phrase there is worth everything. No doubt, no fear, no misgivings. That word has been tried in you several times and you come up with that's the right thing for me. Amen. It's it's not something you just jump into and dive into. Amen. <clears throat> really, we have a choice as to what we think on. Ecclesiastes 14.20 tells us, Blessed is he. Who meditates on wisdom. Wisdom is always the word of God. Wisdom is right. Right. um, Right thinking. Productive thinking. Fruitful thinking. Psalm 119.14. Request to let the meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in your sight. Amen. The words of my mouth, meditation in my heart. So if your meditation's right, then your words will be right. Amen? They will. If, if you know how to work and flow with the Holy Spirit. So an emotional or an impulsive response is never God. Now God is not gonna abandon you. He's, he will come to your aid and rescue. But we need to be Be uh, done with just being rescued all the time. And we want to put in our best effort in things. Amen. So that you can walk in wisdom. You can walk in right understanding. You can walk in right thinking at all times. God moves us in the spirit of peace. The fruit of peace in our hearts. So if once peace is established. Then our meditation is correct. Amen. Amen. So you can meditate your way to peace about certain things. You know, just get them established. Get them done once and for all. Like once you understand that you're healed, even when, when situations change, you still must come up with a conclusion that you're still healed no matter what. See, healing is a decree. It's a fact. It's not just something that's promised to us. It's a done deal. Our problem is we piece things so much. You know, we fragment everything. Like when we preach the gospel, healing was never take to be taken out of the gospel, out of the preaching of the gospel. See, we preach salvation by faith. We just assume that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody who gives their heart to Christ, can be saved we should feel the same way about healing you got me but see what happens is we dismantle the cross you break it up in pieces and you give one ministry to this person one ministry to that person and then the poor person that you're speaking to has got to put it all together to realize that the same god that that saved me has healed me Like it was so easy for me to pray that prayer. If people weren't accepted by God already, how could we get them saved? How could you preach salvation to anybody? We don't get a naughty and nice list and say we can't preach it to this person. And But you got religious crazy Christians who think like that. They think certain people just too bad. You know, we don't just say that, but we act that way. You ever notice you'll be praying for somebody real good and then all of a sudden your mind will just go passive on it you don't really like? I sure wish they could. You understand what I'm saying? It's always an incorrigible in everybody's family. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's gonna be the last holdout. And we'll go kinda of flat on those people sometimes. We're not as excited about and, and faith filled about their conversion as we used to be so then we got to watch ourselves let our meditation bring us up to the place where we're encouraged again amen so your meditation really is what maintains your house that god lives in your meditation maintains that it's it's not changed by what somebody does what they say what they do what they believe, what they're involved in. You know, sometimes parents will have a suspicion that the kid is on drugs. Then it it gets to be more evidence, more reality. Well, instead of looking at for evidence of what you knew already was going on or suspected, start asking God for evidence that he's working on them to save them. Or if you're not going to get any evidence, if that's not your bag, quit looking at what's going on. Cause that means nothing compared to the promise of God for that person's life. So we've gotta be attentive to our own meditation even to attend to the work that God has given us to do. It's very important what you think about what you pray about. You know, you gotta know it's the will of God. You gotta know it's right. You gotta know it's proper and you gotta know it's good. So we're gonna look at a couple examples. The first one is the centurion of people who meditated their way into peace and faith about what they needed from God. So your biggest job will be to get yourself to believing, and that's all. Jesus talked about the kind of faith we needed. He said only believe, not believe and add something to it. He said, only believe. Then in one place, the Bible says, believe and not doubt. Amen. And so what God is saying, he wants you firmly established. He wants you to meditate this thing out until you are fully persuaded that it's going to happen. Amen. You're fully persuaded that you have it already. You're fully persuaded that as you thank God for it, it's on the way. You're fully persuaded that if you continue to meditate and water that seed of the promise with your faith and with your praise and with your confession, that God is is then obligated to bring it to pass. The meditations on you, the bringing to pass is God's responsibility. So uh, why don't we go to I think it's Matthew chapter eight. I want to go to that that account. Start over in verse 5. Okay, this one's good. He says in uh, 8 verse 5, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, Okay, yeah, Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now this man is a pagan. He's a Roman. Um, he's He's a military man, so that's his background. God can speak to you no matter what your background is. You don't have to qualify on your own to be able to hear from God, to receive from God, to be acceptable to God. He qualifies everybody. He knows what's already in your mind before he speaks to you. He will speak to you often. He makes it so easy. He'll use references that you know about in your own mind in order to have it make sense to you or to make it acceptable to you. Amen. And so always expect God to to be gracious to you. Amen. We pray that prayer. And so he wants to give us assurance and give us peace. That our faith will not fail us in these things. Amen. So, so he says, the centurion comes up to him and beseeching him saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. So he feels for this man. Nobody likes to see anybody suffer. You don't even want to see your little animals suffer, your pets suffer. Amen everybody anybody who is in life appreciates life and he says uh, and jesus said i will come and heal him now he didn't ask him to come jesus volunteered to come amen now the only way you get a a positive response from god is that your faith meets his requirements So he's already said, you got what you asked for. Your faith is strong enough to convince me that you believe. And that's really what we want. We want the good report, don't we? Amen. And see, meditation will get you there. It'll get you to your good report in God. And so once this man expresses what he desires, and Jesus says, okay, come on, I'll go with you. I'm going to heal him. And then the saturian backs up a little bit. Oh. He says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Why does he say that? Well, he knows he's a pagan. He knows that there's probably statues of idols. Probably an altar to some of them false gods in there. He knows that he's not a servant of of the living God. He has, he has nothing on his own to recommend him to God based on his personal merits. See, it's a good policy to take yourself out of these things. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you're feeling good about yourself today, tomorrow you might feel not so good about yourself. So the best road to travel is take yourself out of it. And just let your faith be out there. Let your righteousness and your faith speak for you. Amen? Your righteousness is not that you do everything right. And not that you haven't messed up in a long time. Or God, see, I go to church faithfully. I've been going ever since you. You told me to go, and I don't miss a Sunday, and I do. Take yourself out of it. Because the more of yourself you put in, the more of a liability you will be to the process. Because you're never an asset. Because if you were an asset, then God's word would not be true. It's for the whosoevers. And he's only looking for faith. He's not looking for your recommendation on yourself. He's not looking for the last prophecies you gave that they really worked for people. He's not looking at your bank account, your perfect attendance. He's looking at your faith. Amen. So he's already examined the centurion's faith and it's passed the faith test. But the centurion has an issue Issues can either draw you closer to God or they can push you away from God. So this man had already meditated. I'm not entitled to this. I'm a nothing here. I'm a nobody. I don't count. And I don't want this to count against against my servant getting healed. So I don't want me to be a liability. In this situation. So it's got to be nothing but faith. In order for us not to be a liability or an asset. In our prayers. When we go to God. We go in his righteousness. Not our own. You got to recognize that about other people too. We had a. I think it was. That was used. Some woman came in and. Didn't want to pray with people because she didn't know if everybody was holy or not. She saw some young kids in there praying and she thought they was sinners, I guess. You got me? How'd she make that assessment? Religion. See, her religion told her it's because of how you live how you conduct yourself or what you look like, whether or not God's going to answer your prayer. And she felt she'd get contaminated if she tried to pray with such people. So I'm thinking to myself, what she won't do, go and give everybody a questionnaire and ask them what they did before they came into church, what they thinking about now? Religion robs us, folks. That's why your meditation has to X you out. It can't be concerned about whether you feel like you, you feel like you want to be blessed or you feel like you really believe or you feel like you, you have to take you out. Because when God looks at you and looks at your prayer, He's looking through the blood of Jesus that you're covered in that and that your righteousness is speaking for you. Amen, that's why it's so important to repent of your sins and confess and get that out of the way so that your faith is free to work. you know that you know condemnation will bind your faith up on the inside of you, and you think you're praying in faith and you're just fooling yourself. God's serious about this that's that's the tagline at the end of mark eleven twenty four where everybody goes around confessing. He said if anybody has anything against you even, you got you don't, you don't run around making bad relationships with people and, and tearing up people's lives and running through life like you have not a care in the world. He says, when I see the blood, I recognize. And in his own way, that's what the, cent- the centurion did. He took himself out of it. So it's, that's more like applying the blood in that the only thing, Jesus, I want you to be concerned about is my servant because I want him healed. And somebody's got to ask you to do that before we can be the recipient of that. Amen? And so he takes it upon himself just to be the messenger, to get the message over to the Lord that this this servant of his is is in a bad way and he wants him well and so he tells jesus this he says i'm really not worthy for you to come but i've been thinking about this see my meditation my calculation in my mind what i see you doing that will get the job done is just speak the word and my servant will be healed So for any of us who think God's waiting on us to straighten up before he does something. Or he's waiting on us to get consistent about doing things a certain way before he can bless us. Or he's waiting on something to do with us other than the blood of Jesus. Then we're grossly mistaken. Grossly mistaken. Because this servant said this. He said, you know what? I don't want you at my house. I don't want to inconvenience you. He says, I'm not a Hebrew. I don't live according to your rules and regulations. Now, the issue of whether he wanted to didn't even come up. It's just, do you believe? It's not God's going to heal you if you give your life to Christ. See, we got to be careful with our crazy religion sometimes. You know, people will always say things like this. You hear old timers say, sometimes them sinners get healed quicker than the believers do. And it winds up being pretty true. Look at all the people we pray for out on the streets. You don't have time to conduct an interview with them people. only thing you can say, do you want me to pray for you? There's backsliders out there. There's people that know more scripture than you do. But they're not living for God. So he says, this is what I figured out, Jesus. I meditated on, thought about this for a while. And I said to myself, this man is just like me. He says, you're a man under authority just like I am. See, God will often use your familiar understanding, something that clicks in your brain to help you understand His Word, to help you understand how to get your answer. And He says, you're a man just like me. You got skin, you got, you know, you're, you're a holy man, but you're a man just like me. He said, and I've seen how you work with this ministry that you're doing, he says, "I got somebody that I tell to do this, and they do it." He said, "Your authority works just like mine does. If you tell my servant to be healed, he will be healed, no matter where you are. You don't have to be right there." You know, as people, so it's sad in many ways. You see a lot of people that think the the scripture that says, "Where two of you touch and agree," They think you gotta be physically touching people. You understand what I'm saying? It in and and it limits what they think God can do. You understand what I'm saying? When I pray for people at the altar, I'm not trying to be standoffish or funny, but I'll see people want to grab my hands and pray. I said, no, we don't pray like that. I said, if God tells me to do that, I'd be glad to do it. I said, but I'm to minister the anointing to you and touch you at the proper time. Being led by the Holy Spirit. You know, them little demonic ones like to grab you and want to pull you over on the floor. I said, honey, I ain't hitting the floor. I don't know what you're going to do, but if you go going down, you're going down on your own. Sit up and eyeball everything and act like they know a lot about God and don't know anything about anything. You understand what I'm saying? That craziness. Amen. You know, you, you have to wait to be led by these things, folks. Just don't, but you don't have to get mean with nobody. You know, you just, just be led by God. Amen. Just be led by God. Amen. So he says, I'm not worthy, but my servant is. What makes a servant worthy? He's sick. And Jesus in his mercy helps sick people. And that's all this man meditated. He put it all this stuff together. He said, now, wait a minute. I'm not going to invite a holy man to my house. You know, his, his, his spiritual laws might've made it illegal for Jesus to even come in there. But he says, I'm not worthy for you to come and visit me. Amen. So worthiness is never the issue, folks. Jesus is your worthiness. Amen. He is your worthiness. So we can all identify with the centurion. He says, I'm not worthy, but my servant is. I'm moving out of the way. You don't have to make a judgment about me one way or the other. I'm not the issue here. The issue here is getting my servant better. And he says in verse 9, this what he says here is a product of his meditation. Amen. It's a product of his meditation. He says, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, to my servant, do this, and he does it. And right now, he ain't doing nothing. You understand what I'm saying? I want my servant back. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to him, to them that followed him, in other words, Jesus is saying, this man got it. So I'm sharing this with you so you'll know how this is done. So that's for us too. We're the ones who are following him now, and we can learn from this example. And he says here, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And he says that many people will come and be judged because they haven't even tried to meditate and understand the way this stranger has, this Gentile, this sinner has. And so Jesus takes it out of the realm of the personal from this guy, and he shows that this can be applied to other people. And this man got over it with great faith. Huh? Now, he had faith to get the job done when he first asked Jesus. He was full of faith. Then when he backed up and said, no, don't come, just speak the word. And Jesus says he went beyond what the normal is. Usually people look and see that God's doing. and They want to rush up and get something. Amen. But this man has stood back and evaluated the situation and thought to himself, you know what? This man is a gracious man. He's a good man. I'm going to honor him and let him know, don't come over to my house. I'm not worthy for you to come over here. Just keep this in the right perspective. Who am I to ask the son of God to come into my home and I'm worshiping other gods? See what I'm saying? But that won't stop him because he's a holy man. He's a righteous man and he has mercy on everybody. So my obstacle is not going to stop him from healing. Amen. This servant. So he gets Jesus 100 percent focused on the job to be done. And that is the healing of his servant. And that's what we got to focus on. We've got to focus on God is bringing us the answer. It has nothing to do with what we did yesterday, what we planned to do or what we refused to do for God that we should have done a million times already. You repent, and you get that straight between you and God. Don't try to go in the throne room with all this nonsense and shenanigans. Amen? You you be straight up with him, just like this man was. He said, you don't have to do that. Now, if Jesus had insisted coming, he would have allowed him to do it. But this man had already figured out, get myself out of this picture. Amen? This man can do it just with his word. He could send his word and get the job done just like I'm able to send my word and people will obey me because I am under authority. See, he knew Jesus wasn't operating as a mere man. huh? And this is what you have to believe. See, we lose so much because we think people are people. what did jesus say when he started his ministry the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me that centurion understood that the pharisees didn't they were sitting right there in the temple when jesus read that scripture and they still treated him like aren't you mary's boy you're not even supposed to be in the temple your mother was pregnant with you before she got married we heard all about you See if you don't realize somebody's anointed to do something you're treat them just like a normal everyday human being. Oh yeah. Cuz that anointing is what's going to get the job done. The people's words and the fact that God anoints them is what gets the job done anointed people are going to say a lot of things you don't like a lot of things that don't go down so easy amen and they'll say i'm under the anointing how about that (laughs) just a thought i tell people all the time i said listen when i tell you to do something it's not like your girlfriend telling you and making a suggestion you go home and say well she ain't I don't like that. She don't know what she's talking about. You You understand what I'm saying? You've got to learn how to distinguish what's holy and what's profane. You got me? And we're all able to do that. So this centurion understood that. Understood it better than many of, of God's people did. Even Jesus' family. Come on out here. We need to talk to you. Uh, I'm preaching. I'm prophesying, please? Go home, ma. Okay? I'm talking to my peeps already. Amen? Jesus always responds according to our faith. Amen? So he responded to, to this centurion according to his faith, not who he was. Not the kind of lifestyle he lived at home. Can you have faith with a raggedy lifestyle? I don't know, some people can, but some people can't. For believers, it's kind of requirement righteousness for us. Just saying. Amen. (laughs) You gotta honor God's word. You gotta honor His, His rules. You gotta honor His laws. See the laws are different for for us as believers. You can't go just go skulking up to God and and act like a sinner, look at a sinner, and they can get some we supposed to get it too huh, live any kind of way and and it's all ours. You don't want to live like that. you want to grow up in God. you don't want to be a baby all the time. Amen. You want to please him, amen. And our faith is righteousness. Amen. Many times instead of meditating things through. And and making sure we're fully persuaded on the inside. We'll just want to repeat things to see if that'll get it. You know what I'm saying? Just confess the word or speak the word and. And wait to see what happens, nothing happens. You're not fully persuaded if you're still waiting. Got me? Waiting to see means that there's doubt somewhere. So you have to continue to work with that thing in your mind until you get it, get your mind thoroughly washed out. Amen? Now the difference sometimes is that if, if, if at the, at the altar where you say, if you, you're in pain, and somebody prays for you and they'll tell you to work that affected part, like Miss Donna. Still working your knee, Miss Donna? Or are you sitting there waiting for something to happen? You better work that knee, girl. You better work it. <laughs> Amen. And quit quit thinking to see if it's done, what it feels like. Just keep working it by faith. See that's the whole thing. You know, consider not. Amen. You not consider if it's better, if it's, what difference does that make? You're healed anyway. That devil's got to go, honey. He can't stay around here. Amen. So do you merely repeat what you hear? Because you're only involved in mental gymnastics when you do that. Just grab a scripture and say it and think bibbidi-bobbidi-boo or abracadabra. Amen. Doesn't happen like that. You have to be engaged fully in your persuasion that God is going to do it. Amen. Not that you can make it happen with your words, but God is going to do it. Amen. So your confession is more to persuade yourself that God's going to do it. Not that you are creating anything with your words. You can't create nothing. I keep telling people, you know, the devil will take a decent teaching and goof it all up by adding little things in there. You know, you're not calling anything into existence. It exists already. You're just affirming that you believe it's there. You're saying yes and amen, it's there, and you don't see it. Your faith says yes, amen, it's there. And if I hold on and not let issues get involved, I'll have it because God is going to bring it to pass. I'm not going to bring nothing to pass with my much confession. Now, your confession will change your mind about things. It'll get you convinced. That's what really it's for. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's the power that your confession has. To convince you that God's going to bring it to pass. Jesus never denies a request made in faith. Never. He looks at our believing, not on our person. Amen. Jesus responds according to how we believe. It's according to our faith. All the way down the line. So remember one of our definitions for meditation was to practice something in your mind. To act it out in your mind. So the centurion had acted out in his mind, Jesus, don't come to my house. I got two wives and five girlfriends. Huh? And about 24 kids. And I got statues of all the Roman gods in there. It ain't fit for a holy man to be rushing up in there. I mean, I'd be too embarrassed lose faith. This whole show would be canceled if you came to my house. See, that takes the pressure off. I just felt, you know, pressure come off of me to do everything right. So what this, what this centurion is doing, he's repenting (laughs) and confessing his sin. Huh? He done cleaned his own clock, man. It's like, (laughs) come on, God. I don't deserve this. (laughs) That's why he compared him to the Israelites. He said, man, If I can get 10 Pharisees to repent like this dude, we might be able to get some work done around here. But see, when it's all about you and self-righteousness, and whether you're good enough, whether you did this right, that right, and whatever your behavior is, when it's about that, you'll get very little from God. But if your meditation brings you to the point of this does not matter. I got a sick servant there and I'm going to go talk to this man and shoot my best shot. But while I'm there, I'm going to confess to him I don't do stuff right. You know, I'm not the worthy one. Just, you know, but I know for a fact I've seen you talk to limbs and they get healed. I've seen you touch blind eyes and they come back to life. I've seen your word work on people. Because there's a higher authority over you that's doing the work. See, I'm a man like you are, but you're a holy man. I'm a sinner. You can't come in. Uh, you even, you know, you won't even feel right, Miles. <laughs> so just tell my servant to be healed, and he'll be healed. So his faith was sufficient at the first request. When he took God at his word, it got increased. So every time you can just take God's word for something, you up the quality of your faith. That's why many times God will will have us continue to believe something for a season. Just carry that word in you for a longer time than you feel is necessary. And we all feel like it should happen faster than what it happened. But have you ever been in that situation where I used to be able to just confess and, and and stomp my leg and the pain would leave and now it's been lingering for a little bit. Couple days, week, whatever. Amen. He's up in the quality of your faith. See, we want out of pain, he wants us in greater faith. Because he sees what's coming. We can't see what's coming somebody got it down down here's got to believe for more uh, we can't all stay at the baby level of gimme gimme i want it now Why well, i gotta wait well, I always? pastor barb says she saw that truck driving in her driveway how come i can't do that you get your own driveway your own truck and your own faith huh the car I got rid of was 24 years old. You want to wait that long? Yeah, keep, keep working with it, okay? <laughs> See, some things in time, they don't bother me. I thank God he got me to the point where it doesn't bother me. You know what I'm saying? My, my glad car days are over. You know, I just, Every time I had, I didn't want to squat and I had a sedan and it was just too low. I said, oh, Lord, these deep knee bends, you're going to lubricate these knees or elevate me. Then with the truck, it took me about a month to figure out how I was going to get into it. You know, you want to tuck, drop, tuck, drop and roll, tuck, drop and roll, that's that's what I first started out. It. Me, then I had to find a dignified way to get in. You know, that didn't work either. So I'm just in there now. That's all I'm telling you. I know I can get in and I'm in there now and I drive on off like I belong there. But it took a while. Amen. So I figured out God said that he was going to help me to get in there. So that's what happened. So Praise God. Amen. So then our next person is a Syrophoenician woman. Her persistence in meditating and not giving up sealed the deal. It got her what she desired. So here's a woman who persisted in meditating and got what she asked for. In Mark chapter 7, I think we'll go to Mark 7. See if this is the one I want or not. Okay, yeah, we'll do this one. Okay, so uh you see an example here of how Jesus takes us from inadequate faith to faith that is great, amen. Sometimes we need to know what will take great faith, because he commends people who have great faith. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, "Well, I'll need all that. I, I, no, just give me, give me, give me enough faith to get what I want." It's not up to you. See, Jesus is doing something in each and every one of us. The Bible says he is the author and the completer of our faith. So there's a job that he's um, involved in with your faith. It's not just your faith by yourself. You can do what you want to do with it. He is 100% involved in it. He is already, he's like, for lack of a better thought, a personal trainer. He's developing us. There's something he needs our faith to accomplish. Your faith belongs to his kingdom. It's not yours anymore once it's invested in him. In fact, you're using his faith to get the stuff you need. Amen? So if it was just our faith, our little measure of faith, it wouldn't go very far of anything, but what we do is we invest our faith and confidence in Him when we use His Word. And so when we put, we start investing in speaking His Word and believing His Word and requesting according to His Word, we are invested in Him now. We've invested that faith in Him. And it's up to Him what happens to it. All we have to do is cooperate with the program. So whether your faith, it seems like sometimes it seems like my prayers didn't go very far at all. Ooh, it seems like my faith isn't doing anything. I just, how come it just won't happen all of a sudden? Huh? He's working on something. He's, you've got to have faith that your faith will pay, will pay, you know, will will pan out at some point. That it'll produce what you want it to produce. You gotta have faith in Him that whatever you feel like from day to day, it's still working. It's still working. It's still working. No matter what it looks like in the natural, what I go through, it's still working. Amen. Why? Because He's working it. You're not. It's his faith. He knows what it can do, and he knows what it's assigned to do. He knows that you live in Cleveland, he knows what it's assigned to do in Cleveland. You live in Detroit, he knows what it's assigned to do in Detroit. What it's assigned to do in your family, in your neighborhood, at your job, wherever you are. Your faith has an assignment to accomplish things. Not just for you, but related to his kingdom. When your co-worker gets sick and you pray for them, sometimes you don't even have to tell people you're praying for them or ask them if they want prayer. Just pray for them. For the most part, people, once they know what you're about, they will ask you. But whether they ask or not, prayer, prayer is a, is a, a byproduct of a burden that you get from God to do something for somebody. He can drop it on you whether you know them people or not or whether you... God told me something one time. He says, when I give you people to pray for, he said, I'm wanting you to invest your faith in their miracle. Huh? So that'll get you off your small little world that you live in. Your little goldfish bowl. Huh? You'll start swimming with the sharks. Because he wants your faith engaged in somebody's miracle. He put that faith in you so that he can help not just you, but somebody else. And the somebody is whoever he assigns it to he's no respecter of persons and he wants us to be the same way sometimes he'll test us he'll make us pray for people we don't like or we thought we didn't like until we started praying for him and taking god seriously amen so this woman is a greek say a syrophoenician by race amen uh, we're in where are we at mark seven did i say thank you Mark seven twenty four, and from there he arose and went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it but he could not be hid the anointing always points you out you got me people follow God they follow the they either follow or run from you amen so so that anointing makes you, you obvious who you are. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him. Heard of him. Heard of him. What did she hear? Must have been some good because she went running after him. Huh? She heard enough to want to pursue getting in his face. And it says, she besought him that he would cast the devil out of her daughter. Let me go to the other one, because this is not as much detail. Go to Matthew chapter 15. I call this lady the quick meditator. just shows you that meditation is just, it's not like something that takes a long time for it to produce your answer. Just write that down so you think. See, we think meditate on the Word. Oh my, what does that mean? Meditate on the Word. It's going to take a long time. God ain't going to do this for me until I think about it a lot. I'm sure. It just means to weigh in your mind the facts. And make a decision based on what you weigh in your mind. Meditation will also cleanse your soul. It's referred to the washing by the water of the word. What are you washing? Doubt, unbelief, religion, preconceived ideas, whatever that's going to stand up and say you can't have it. That's what you meditate out. you got to clean that stuff out of there. So, okay, so what Matthew 15, we can go to verse 21. Jesus went there to Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. Have mercy on me. Now, what did the centurion say? Don't pay attention to me. See, this woman inserts herself in the equation, and she imitates a Jew. Oh, son of David, that's something the Jews said. So she figure I'd try that on him and see if that's what'll get him. You done been there, and I have too. Do I confess it ten times? Do I just say it once? Do I just click my heels three times and say there's no place like home? Son of David was for the Jews. It, it meant, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter of Israel. Amen? And that was wrong for her to say that. But she had trying anyway. She probably had a lot of tricks up her sleeves, which she did, which you will see. Amen? <laughs> My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. So she's got all the attention on herself that's why he didn't answer her there was no faith there he answered her not a word his disciples came and besought him saying send her away she's crying after us but he answered and told her this i am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of israel so that put her under conviction look lady i know you ain't no daughter of abraham don't be giving me that son of david stuff you ain't even you ain't even in the family huh you know god will 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 help your fakiness you ever see religious people get up and oh good gracious heavenly father we come to your throne and and then the Holy Ghost will get there tugging us, Jesus, I love you. If you're a a you, Huh? He then took a lot of us from fake to faith. Huh? So don't be so hard on the sister. He said, Nah, I ain't going for that. You don't even qualify. So don't give me that I'm a I'm your sister thing. Huh? Then she came to worship him and said, Lord, help me. Now, that's honest. She's elevating him to a place of honor. And when you honor and worship God, it'll always get some result or some attention from him. Amen. She said, I don't know much about this religious stuff that y'all do, but I do know that I honor you. You're a man of God, and I believe you can help me. And so she bows down and worships him, and then he nails her again. He said, you come up here to pretend to be one of us. I told you you're not one of us. Now you're pretending to call me Lord. Amen. But you really, deep down in your heart, lady, you're afraid that I won't accept you because all the religious people call you and your people dogs. So he had to get the dog unworthiness out of her. See, all you see how all of this fake stuff, pretending, smashes down your faith where your faith is not released? See, this lady had faith in her for her daughter to be healed, but instead of her asking in faith from the beginning, she decides she let this junk in her mind that she's been meditating on I can't ask him just for me being a stranger because they think I'm a dog. Then people call us dogs. So I'm not just going to go up there and act like I can get something from him when he thinks I'm a dog anyway. So he just puts it out there. In other words, let's get this out of the way. Let's deal with this dog thing that you think is so powerful. It's going to cause me to let your daughter to be tormented. That's not who I am. That's who the temple people are. But that ain't who the son of God is. I'm going to show you who he really is. So he deals with her dog mentality. He tells her, it's not right for me to take bread from the children's table and give it to dogs. And she said, really? I'm a dog? Well, I'll take the crumbs off the table. You don't have to give me the meal. Just give me the crumbs. And I'll get healed off of that. And he commends her for her great faith. Now, how does she do that? She was quick to meditate and kick stuff out as irrelevant as it was addressed. When she first got denied, she said, well, in that case, if that's not important to him, then I'll just be who I am. I'm a dog. Amen. And if I can get it as a dog, then I know I've got it. Amen. It doesn't matter what I have to be. I'm willing to be a daughter of Israel, son of David. I'm willing to worship you and don't know nothing about worship. And if you say I'm a dog, I'll be a dog too. But my daughter is going to get healed. Amen. Because you got it in you and I know you can do it. And I know you're going to do it if I don't quit. And see, that's where most believers hang up their spurs. They quit at the first First sign of not immediate, first sign of it's going to take a little extra, first sign of I got to get really in my word. Know what I mean, really in my word. Shut the TV off, shut this off, turn the plate down, and let's get down to business. She got to want it like that. You got to show God you want it like that. Huh? Oh, she got hard down serious. So I ain't leaving here. You call me what you want to call me. If I have to eat crumbs, I'll take crumbs. Now listen, that's not your portion. But you know most Christians live like that? They don't live off the children's bread. They live off crumbs. You have a seat at the Father's table But you got to be cleansed in order to sit there. Major reason most people don't get what they need from God. They don't think the cleansing. Did your mother ever tell you when you came outside from playing, she called you in there to eat and everybody go sit there. You better get up and wash your hands. There's a requirement to dine at the father's table. Most of us don't even know what it is. Why? Because we're always licking for crumbs, looking for a way to get just enough. Huh? Yeah. That's why everybody always calling Pastor Shirley to pray with him or pray for him. Huh? Just a thought. Nothing wrong with it. If you really need it, it's here. Amen? But many times we don't, we think we don't have to live according to God's laws and His rules. Not 100%. That's not really on our minds. Our minds is mostly about getting what we can get when we can get it. Let me get this done, that done, and that done. Instead of God, let me please you. I want when I walk to be a fragrance that you enjoy. Amen. I want every time I open my mouth, to, to exude something that's pleasing to you. I want to please you. Amen? It's not about stuff. It's about relationship. Amen? About pleasing him. Coming up to his standard for a change. Instead of always looking at what we can get. God wants us to live like that, folks. It, there's more to this faith walk than just the accumulation of things. I wish we had more ministers who would drive that point home to us. But they're so insecure in their message, they don't think they'll be listened to if they don't promise you a lot of stuff every time they get up in the pulpit. Amen? But I'm here to tell you, it's very important that God, that you please him, that you have the sweet fragrance of Christ. You leave that everywhere you go. And that that's important to you to please him that way. Amen? Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for understanding. Thank you for goodness, mercy, the fruit of the Spirit in total. Father, everywhere we go, we exude the fruit of the Spirit, and it's a great-smelling fragrance to you. We honor you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, Amen.